Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With more information allows us to make better projections, heck, maybe even better predictions on Wednesday, we would typically give you our top 10 teams in the country. On this Wednesday, though, we're getting into our season predictions 2.0. We're halfway through the season. Like I just said, we have a better gauge for the college football landscape. So with that being said, let's call our shot once again. Who's winning the Pac-12? Who's winning the Big 12, the SEC, the Big 10, the ACC? Also, who's going to be that Final Four standing? We love March Madness. We have our own Final Four here within college football for at least one more season. Who are those four teams going to be? We gave you our prediction before the season even started, as everyone else did as well. But we're going to kind of recalibrate and give you our feel for how things stand right now through six weeks of the wonderful thing that is the college football season. Welcome into the hard count. If you're new, welcome. It's college football. It's only college football. And it's not just a season thing. A lot of shows out there that we love, respect, and appreciate, but they kind of dial it back when it comes to content when the games aren't being played. That's not how this show gets down, in large part because that's not how you get down as a college football fan. When the season ends, you still want to talk ball. Well, guess what? We're still talking ball every single day right here on the On3 YouTube channel, on this wonderful platform, this wonderful show that is The Hard Count. I'm Jody Pacquiao. We got a lot to dive into. All right, so I don't want to waste too much more time, but a quick side note for y'all. If you want to keep up with everything going on with this show, we're going to hit the road here pretty soon again for another game. We got our eye on one of them, and uh, if you want to keep in, in, uh, in the know with, one, where we're going, and two, keep an eye on the things that we're doing when we make these road trips, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at JD Pakel. Also, quick side note, another side note for you before we get rolling here. If you are into gambling, which is a weird way to preface that. If you have interest in the lines that pertain to certain specific college football games and you just want to know, hey, where are the winners at right now? The boys here, we're hot right now. All right. We, if you've been tailing me over on my Instagram page at Jody Pacal, again, against the suits, we drop our picks every single Friday. We have not had a losing week in some time now. So knock on wood. But if you want to follow us, you can do so over there on my Instagram page. Going to get into who we think is winning the ACC. That race has been very interesting. Clemson right now sitting with two losses. What's going on with them? We'll talk about that. The Big 12, the race to Jerry World. The last time we have the Big 12 as we know it. Because remember, Oklahoma and Texas, they're leaving the Big 12 after this season. Are we going to get a Red River rematch in Jerry World? I mean, heck, West Virginia, they're actually undefeated in conference play right now. Kansas, we, we talk about them like they're a football school on this show. Are they going to have their say in that thing? We'll break it down. The Pac-12, man, last time, best time. The Pac-12 is the equivalent of throwing a house party before you sell the house or before the house gets torn down. We're going to break down what we think is going to happen there in that beautiful conference. And then the SEC, man, it just means more. We know what's up with the SEC. Every single year they have their say on the college football playoff race. The question I think a lot of people have right now is, are they getting two teams in? Before this season, we had two teams from that conference getting into the college football playoff. Is that going to be the case? Do we still feel that way today? Well, we'll give you our college football playoff picks. But before we do all that, we got to start with the boys in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is fascinating for a number of reasons. We'll get to the Big Ten East here in just a second. But the Big Ten West, we talked about it being last time, best time for the Pac-12. I mean, last time, best time for the Big Ten West now. They're going away with divisions. You got USC and UCLA joining the conference. And the Big Ten West, going into the season, we thought Wisconsin would come out of that side of the conference. And they had that loss to Washington State. And we were all like, oh, well, I guess we were wrong on Wisconsin. And then Washington State went on to actually be really, really freaking good. So Wisconsin actually plays Iowa this weekend. And that might be for the Big Ten West representative. Minnesota, we'll, we'll see what they are as the season goes on. Haven't been overwhelmingly impressed by them. Like the Big Ten West, in my mind, is just kind of funky right now. And I was already concerned about Iowa's offense going into the year, as was everybody else in the country. 
we're all kind of rooting for the drive to 325 for them to get some points on the board or maybe if you're a Big Ten fan, maybe rooting against Iowa in that drive to 325, or maybe rooting for them for the drive for 325, so you keep that same staff there. Regardless, when it comes to the Big Ten West, I still think Wisconsin's that team. I still think that the team that ends up representing them for the Big Ten title game. Now, moving on to the Big Ten East, this is potentially the most impactful division in all of college football when it comes to the college football playoff. And you didn't think I was going to start with this team, but what's up with Maryland? Maryland has a chance to play spoiler in this thing. I'm not picking Maryland to be the team that comes out of the Big Ten East, but they have a chance to spoil Penn State's date with Michigan because they play them right before that game. So classic look-ahead spot for, for Penn State. And then the week before Michigan plays Ohio State, they have to play Maryland as well. Now, we're not picking Maryland to upset either of those teams at this point in time. We'll break it down when it gets closer. But we saw what Maryland was capable of when they played against Ohio State. We told you going into the week, hey, Maryland, now they can score points. Hey, mobile quarterback, that's a difficult variable to throw into any college football game. So Maryland, I'm just saying keep an eye on what they do because they will impact the way that this side of the division shakes out. Even with that being said, let's, let's not fool ourselves here. It's the same cast of characters. It is the same teams before the season that we talked about that we're still talking about right now. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. I think it's a fairly safe assumption that the winner of the Big Ten will be one of those three teams and will come from the Big Ten East. Now, I think Ohio State is the third best team in the Big Ten. Reason why I feel that way, I still have concerns about the horsepower they have offensively, not because of the skill position players, because I haven't seen it yet from Kyle McCord. And this is not to dunk on what they've done to this point in the year, because they've they've shown explosive at, at times. I mean, they, they were explosive against Notre Dame, and, or not against Notre Dame, against Western Kentucky. They kind of struggled against Notre Dame, to be honest with you. And they didn't really rev the engine the way you would have liked to see them rev the engine to this point in the year. They played Penn State October 21st. I alluded to us going to a game here in the near future. Circle that one. Keep an eye on that one. You're going to want to make sure you're following me on the socials so you know if we're going to that one, because that's the one that we have circled. I think that the Penn State defense in that game is going to give Ohio State issues. We'll give our official prediction for that game when it gets here. But right now, like, I have very real concern about that game and very real concern about Ohio State when they play Michigan and how they match up that way. The defense is better for Ohio State. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. The issue I have is the way I think they've taken a step back offensively, not from a personnel standpoint, but at the quarterback position. Now, I could be dead wrong, and Kyle McCord could go on and just kick it into overdrive the rest of the season, but from what I've seen to this point, Ohio State, to me, is third best in that conference. So, we go to Penn State, and I think their defense alone makes them top two. The offense is trending how you would want it to right now. Have they played the best competition in the country? No, but Drew Aller has looked the part to this point. We talk about it a lot on here. There's a lot of cliches thrown his way when you talk about Drew Aller. Oh, physical presence prototypical pass or pocket pass or he can make all the throws when you can make all the throws you force a defense to defend all of the throws when you have to defend all the throws that box has to be more honest when that box has to be more honest then Nick Singleton and Katron Allen get to eat like they're at the buffet so I think Penn State is a top two team in this conference but at the end of the day man like I think it's Michigan I, I really do I mean Michigan there's going to be a lot of buzzwords thrown around with them at this point in the year haven't played anybody well we don't know about them just yet well, if J.J. McCarthy takes that next step, that's a big if, and we'll see if it happens. Like, for Michigan, man, like, I would be aware of the Michigan fatigue that I think a lot of people are going to succumb to at this point in the year. Because a lot of people, it's not fun to talk about Michigan. Because Michigan hasn't been controversial. Michigan hasn't played anybody super tough just yet. Michigan, from last year and the year before, they've won the title in that conference the last two years. So people want to kind of find a different angle, not just talk about Michigan. Like, Michigan is still Michigan. <laughs> Okay, let, let's not kid ourselves. Michigan is still Michigan. They're still going to beat you up up front. They're going to play really good defense. And a lot of the cast of characters that were there last season from that Big Ten title team that made a statement in Columbus, Ohio, they're still there. People talk about J.J. McCarthy taking the next step. I mean, he's another year in this system. I think it's pretty fair to expect him to progress as any quarterback would. The longer you do something, the better you get at it. No difference for a quarterback in the offense. So when it comes down to it, man, I think Michigan does play Wisconsin for that Big Ten title. I love the way Michigan's schedule is set up, too. Their bye week is the weekend of October 28th, 
and that is the weekend before they jump into their stretch that's going to determine what they do this season with Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. So you kind of get that, that refresh a little bit, deep breath before your last set of the season, the last heavy set of your workout, if you will. But I think Michigan is the team that ultimately, when it's all said and done, the confetti drops, Michigan is the team for the third year in a row hoisting the Big Ten Conference Championship trophy. Beware of Michigan fatigue. Now, a lot of people are going to try and find an angle and say Ohio State this and Penn State that, and we love Penn State. I think Ohio State's got the best skill players arguably in the country, the best skill player in the country, and Marvin Harrison Jr. right up there with Brock Bowers. But even so, let's, let's not overthink this thing too, too much. Let's not try and get too cute with it. Michigan's still Michigan. Appreciate everybody dialed in right now, man. If you could like the video and get us over 100 likes, we would be on our way to 30 shows in a row with 100 likes before we get off the air. We've got a nice little streak going right now. We'd love to have you a part of it. And Wednesdays, man, for whatever reason, Wednesdays are that part in the week where I think maybe just people in general have more going on and there's a little bit less attention to the college football landscape. Hey, Wednesday is, is that day where we got to really kick it into overdrive. So let's do that with liking the video, keeping a good thing going. And we appreciate y'all in advance for being a part of this. All right. So see those likes rolling in right now. Thank you very much. And uh, if everyone tuned in could like the video, we'll be well over our goal. Let's move on to potentially the most interesting division, or the most interesting conference rather in college football. What's going on with the ACC? Before the season, sat right here in this chair, looked right into this camera, looked at you into your depths of your soul and told you, I think Clemson's winning the ACC. Well, things have gone how they've gone and we no longer feel that way on this particular show. We love Clemson. We love Dabo Sweeney. Will Shipley, friend of the program. I'm actually not even out on Cade Clubnick to be real with y'all, but the way that this thing is shaking out, there's some good teams in that conference that are making some noise right now. Clemson has two conference losses. Need some things to happen for them to be able to win that conference for another year. The undefeateds right now in this conference are Louisville. Shout out Jack Harlow. Florida State. Florida State, man. A lot of people from the Knoll Nation are tuned into the program. We appreciate y'all. North Carolina, Drizzy Drake May. Still balling, still doing his thing. They got Tez Walker back now. And Duke. And this is all, again, undefeated within conference play. So, we'll start with North Carolina. I think the defense looks improved. My question is, is that real? Like, I know we're only halfway through the season, and they've been solid to this point. Is that real? I'm, I'm not 100% sure yet. It's genuinely a question I have. They'll have a good test this week with Miami coming to town. A lot of jokes about Miami. A lot of jokes about taking a knee and, like, that's fine. I mean, like, you reap what you sow. I understand it. But let's not dismiss the fact that Miami was set up to win that football game, made a poor decision, have to live with the results. But that's still a football team that can beat you. Let's actually predict that game tomorrow. But I'm just saying Miami is a team to watch. North Carolina, definitely a team to watch. Drake May gives them a chance in every single game. Uh, they have that gauntlet in front of them. That was my concern with North Carolina. They got Miami. They got Duke. They got to go to Clemson. Say what you want about Clemson. They're still going to be a tough out, especially at the crib. Now, Duke, I love how they're built. Riley Leonard, at the time of us being live right now, the latest intel that I have found is that he's day-to-day. -day. I don't know what that means in terms of his availability. They have two of their biggest games the next three weeks at Florida State, at Louisville. Don't love that those are both on the road. I don't love that your quarterback is day-to-day -day right now, and I don't love the fact that this is a, a spot where both those teams are undefeated and playing for a lot. So with that being said, Duke, I, I'm a little bit slow to, to jump in on. Now, Louisville, I think, has the best path. And again, shout-out Jack Harlow. He was at the game. Like, we love Jack, man. We love even come home, the, the kids miss you. Like, we're, we're Jack Harlow stands on this show. We, we make no, you know, negotiations about that. They have the best path. They don't play Clemson. They don't play Florida State. They have Duke, and they go to Miami. Those are the two toughest games on their schedule. Louisville right now kind of gaining some steam. They made a statement the other day when they beat Notre Dame in front of the entire country. Like, I think Louisville is a team that's starting to gain some momentum, and they're picking up steam at just the right time. Brom squad, man, I'm just saying, keep an eye on Louisville. I think they're going to be a team to watch. Florida State is, is built for it this year. Like, Florida State is, is built for it this year. Let's not be, you know, shy about saying that. They have the quarterback. I think they have the line of scrimmage, especially defensively. We'll see how that formulates offensively. I'm still not selling my stock on the Florida State run game just yet. And they have the weapons. Keon Coleman, 
We saw what he did in person, catching that game winner against Clemson. Dude is a freak show. I'm pretty sure he was developed in a lab. He was going to be an Avenger, but instead decided to play football. And they have the culture. And that's a very, very key thing now. Florida State, in my mind, has the culture to respond to the difficult circumstances they've faced to this point in the year. You know, back and forth against Boston College, where it's a red bandana game and they're on the road. It's a look-ahead spot before Clemson. They go and play Clemson, and it's, it's Clemson's really last chance to make a statement in the ACC and stay alive in the conference title race. And like they were able to pass both those tests. I'm a little bit concerned about how human they looked and what it took to, to win those games. And we'll talk about that more just a little bit later in the show. But I think that as a whole, like Florida State is that team that will make it to the conference title game. So I got Florida State. I got Louisville. I just think the roster and the experience for Florida State is what gets them over the hump in this conference. I think they end up winning this conference. I think the number one returning production pays dividends, especially late in the year. You don't get rattled late in the year. You don't get rattled in that spot. I'm curious to see now if Florida State has any losses. And if they do, how many do they have? Because their toughest three games to me are Duke, Miami, both in Tallahassee, and then at Florida. Now, at Florida is not a conference game, but that does count towards their college football playoff hope. So regardless, we're picking Florida State to win the ACC. We are no longer picking Clemson. We are now riding with Florida State based on what we saw in Clemson, South Carolina. Curious to see, again, if they have a loss and if they do, how many losses next to their name. That Those couple games we've seen where they've looked human, is that a low point for them? Like just kind of a low point on the graph of what they're capable of? Or is that a trend we're going to see where they look human in different spots and that's something they try and patch up throughout the season? Regardless, though, we got Florida State beating Louisville to win the ACC. And that's a conference, man, that, I mean, good football being played over there. Like it doesn't have the same shine as, you know, the SEC. And quite frankly, even I think the brands of the Pac-12 are getting a little bit more love when it comes to that conference. But Louisville playing ball, North Carolina playing ball. Duke hosted college game day this year. That was electric. Like Florida State speaks for themselves. Just because Clemson's not the Clemson of old right now does not mean we should tune out of the ACC. Making sure we're all in lockstep there. Make sure we get in these uh, questions into the keeper of the queue, Nick, the heavy lifter, break. Because we're going to answer some of y'all's questions and some of y'all's takes at the end of this show. Still have a few more conferences to get to, but I just want to make sure we have that out there. That's one of the big benefits of being tuned in live. If you're on podcast, man, we appreciate y'all. We appreciate y'all making time during your day saying, I can't catch the live show. I throw in the AirPods when I'm at work or I'm at school or I'm babysitting the kids. Heck, maybe you get a little bit dicey and you throw it on while you're driving. We appreciate that too. But if you're able to watch the show live, we appreciate y'all for that as well. All right. And uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, if, you're, if you're able to watch the show live, the benefit is you're able to get in the live chat. So thank you for that. All right. The race to Jerry World. The Big 12. Last time as we know it. Now they're not going to just do away with the conference. But Oklahoma and Texas do leave the conference after this season. And the Big 12 does it Hunger Games style in the sense that there is no divisions. Best two teams play for it. If it's a rematch, so be it. Right now, don't look, but it's West Virginia and Oklahoma as the two undefeated teams in the conference. Those are the two that are undefeated right now. Those are the two teams that control their own destiny. Now, I think there's a path for uh, some other party crashers as well. I mean, Oklahoma, I, I mean, excuse me, Oklahoma, West Virginia, if they were to make the, the conference title game, they don't have to play Texas. They're at Oklahoma November 11th. Like, there's definitely a path for West Virginia. I think Kansas State is also a team that we can't count out just yet. They won the conference last year. I know it's not the same team as last year, but only one conference loss. They're at Texas November 4th. Kansas only has one conference loss. They get Oklahoma at the crib October 28th. Texas Tech, only one loss. I think they've proven they're a tough out with how they've played Oregon. I'm just saying, there's, there's a lot of craziness that could go on within this conference so make sure you're into what's going on with the big 12 so to me that there's a lot of scenarios out there and i don't want to just dismiss all those scenarios that are out there but to me like we got to kind of trust our eyes here when it comes to predicting this conference and there's two clear-cut best teams in this conference like if we're making a prediction we got to go with our eyes we got to go with our gut we got to go with what we've seen 
predicting upsets is kind of a week-to-week thing. There's a lot of variance with look-ahead spots and how teams played the week before. And, like, I understand all that. When it comes to season predictions, you just got to pick the best teams. We can't get too in the weeds with upsets and things like that. So with saying that, there's two of the best teams in the conference, and they played this past weekend. Big 12 fans, you're going to hate to hear that. Going to hate to hear that. And I understand. I don't blame you. These are the two teams that are leaving your conference, and I get it. But Oklahoma and Texas are the best two teams in the conference. From a roster standpoint, I think from a play caller and coaching standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, shout out Jalen Daniels. I think he deserves some shine as well, but these are the best two teams in the conference. Again, the best two quarterbacks in the conference. So looking at Texas, their most difficult opponent left on the schedule for my money is Kansas State. They play them in Austin. Their most difficult spot is at Iowa State. Their second to last week of the season. Never an easy task to go to Ames, Iowa and get out with a dub. I believe that was actually the Bo Davis game all those years ago where he let them have it on the bus. And I think that was the turning point in Texas football. But even so, I think Texas, they have some losable games on the schedule, but they should win every game that's in front of them. Now for Oklahoma, it's the same deal. They're at Kansas. They got West Virginia at home. I think I might have said Kansas was at home. Uh, they, they play Kansas is the, is the bottom line. Yeah, they're at Kansas and they got West Virginia at home. Never mind. We're, we're, we're not off base there. Uh, they have Oklahoma State and Stillwater, which is a rivalry game. All games that could be tricky. All games that could be that wire for you, home alone style, that cause you to trip over it. And, and maybe the season looks different after that game. But like for us, you just got to pick what you see here. And Oklahoma should handle business in all those games. Oklahoma and Texas for the Big 12 title. In Jerry World. Bright lights, big city, college football playoff implications potentially if what happens, happens and how we think it's going to happen with all these teams running the table the way that we think they can. I think that it's very, very difficult to beat a team twice. So if this happens, if we get this matchup, we'll pick it again when it gets here and we reserve the right to, to change our prediction based on what happens these next six weeks. But like at the end of the day, I just think it's so tough to beat any team twice. I think it's especially difficult to beat a really talented a really talented team twice and a really well-coached team twice. And I think that's what Texas is. So we're not dismissing what happened in Red River. We're not just saying that doesn't matter. We'll talk about the college football playoff race here in just a few segments. But I think Texas does win the Big 12. They avenge their only loss on the season. And I think that they're putting themselves very squarely in that conversation to be selected for that Final Four on Selection Sunday. So we got Oklahoma with one loss and Texas as a one-loss conference champ in the Big 12 right before they leave for the SEC. And again, I know that's not going to make the Big 12 people happy. We understand that, but is what it is, man. You got to pick the rosters and the coaches and the quarterbacks, and that's kind of what it comes down to for us with how we see this whole thing shaking out. Hey, we're uh, about 10 likes away from 100. You can get us over that. We'd appreciate it. Make sure you're dialed in right here. College football, only college football, every single day of the year. We appreciate y'all being a part of it, and we appreciate y'all making this show what it is. All right, let's keep on rolling here now. Let's get to the Pac-12 conference. And the Pac-12, man, we said before the season even started, this was a conference we had to watch. This was a conference where you better make sure Saturday morning, heck, maybe even Friday night, maybe it's during the week, but you go to your local grocery store. If you're on the West Coast, I know Albertson is a big deal out there. A major market when I lived out there was a big deal. Don't know if it still is. If we're in the Central Standard Time Zone or East Coast, Publix, Kroger, you hear what I'm saying? Like, go, go get your caffeine. Go get your caffeine because there's a lot of really good football kicking off right around 1030 Eastern time. We got to make sure we're dialed into those games because these teams will matter when it comes to the college football playoff race. Same deal as the Big 12, Hunger Games style. No divisions, no problems, best two teams, get after it, get to the top of the hill, crown yourself the champion. That's how they roll in the, in the Pac-12. And we love it. To me, there is a clear top three right now in this conference through six weeks, and there is a really competitive middle tier. Top three, Oregon, Washington, USC. That's how I would probably put them right now. That's not our prediction. That's how I would probably shake it out right now if I was to grade the Pac-12. The middle tier is fascinating because you got Utah, Oregon State, UCLA, Washington State. The thing with the Pac-12 now, that middle tier that I just talked about, they could be that top tier any given Saturday. 
which makes for great football, makes for entertaining product, which if you're in power in the Pac-12, you're like, what the heck? Why is this the product we're getting now? Again, they're throwing a party before they turn the lights out. Is kind of how I'm seeing this thing. And it's poetic and it's wild. It's unfortunate, but it's kind of the world we're living in. So instead of complaining about it, we're going to lean into it. And we're going to celebrate the Pac-12 as they do this thing one last time for the best time. There's major cannibal danger here for the Pac-12. Because all these teams that I just talked about, for the most part, they play each other these last six weeks. Like it is just an absolute all-out brawl, gladiator style for the Pac-12 conference with these teams. So let's talk about that top three first. USC is just is just wild. Like USC's offense is national title good. Uh, their defense is not, to put it very kindly. It's, it's not national title good. I don't even know if it's conference title good. I don't know if it's even top half of the Pac-12 good. Even with that being said, even with the defense missing like senior skip day, we're going to learn a lot about them this week at Notre Dame. Notre Dame going to play a physical brand of football. They have a chance to really expose USC, and USC has a chance to really kind of bolster their, their confidence internally by putting something on tape against a good Notre Dame football team. We'll see how that one shakes out. That's kind of USC in a nutshell. Now, Washington, they've also been super potent offensively, and their defense hasn't been USC bad, but the defense I also don't think has been impressive and gives me concern. We're going to learn a lot about them this weekend. They play Oregon. They play Oregon in Seattle. They have USC on the road November 14th, and they're at Oregon State. Those are three huge games that will very, very obviously determine what Washington State does, uh, or Washington does. They also play Washington State at the end of the year. I'm concerned because we haven't seen Washington really be slowed down offensively yet. Like we saw Arizona do a good job kind of keeping the lid on their offense and not allow the explosive plays deep quite as frequently. I'm concerned about Washington because I haven't seen them have to play different styles. To me, Oregon, or Oregon State rather, is built like Utah Jr. Uh, I mean, they, they want to play physical. They want to win the line of scrimmage. They got good quarterback played right now from DJU. They actually just beat Utah in Corvallis. I believe it was a couple of weeks ago like Oregon State's going to be a factor Utah I'd like them a lot better with Cam Rising Washington State Cam Ward gives him a chance in every single game he's getting some some Heisman love for us here at on three and deservedly so but here's my thing I keep going back to complete teams go the distance like this Pac-12 title race this Pac-12 conference play as a whole is like a road trip and you need to be built for all terrain you need to be complete. I don't want a Ferrari. A Ferrari's not going to be an enjoyable road trip. It'll go fast. It'll be great for a joyride. It'll be great to get me from A to B really quickly if it's a short distance. But to go the distance, to go the length of the Pac-12 season, and to feel good about your chances, I like Oregon because of how complete they are. They've got the best pieces as a whole at quarterback, line of scrimmage, skill players. I'm not saying individually those are the best in the conference. I'm saying together that combination I think makes them the best, most dangerous, most complete team in the conference. I said it before. If you're looking for a, a college football playoff representative out of this conference, I think Oregon gives you the best chance to get there and then maybe make some noise when you're there because of how they would stack up with a Big Ten team, with an SEC team in the trenches. So even with that being said, I think USC is who Oregon ends up playing in the Pac-12 title game. I don't feel good doing it. I actually have a pit in my stomach picking USC to be in that Pac-12 title game. We picked USC to win the Pac-12 going into the season because of Caleb Williams and the offense and what they could bring to the table. I still think the USC offense, again, is national title level good. I think Caleb Williams every single weekend gives you a chance regardless of how bad your defense is. But even with what I just said, I think Oregon is more complete, can play more styles, and I think Oregon ends up beating USC in the Pac-12 title game, and Dan Lanning and company get themselves some hardware. Now, the thing we got to watch with this one, how many losses does a Pac-12 champion have? Heck, let's take it a step further. Is a Pac-12 champion able to get in with one loss? I don't say that knowing the answer. I say that asking the question, is the Pac-12 able to get a team into the conference or to the college football playoff with a conference champ as one loss? Because the Pac-12 too, we just talked about it. We're stacking up on caffeine. Y'all are college football junkies and we love you for it. You're stacking up on caffeine. But are the teams that are 
or excuse me, are the college football playoff committee members? Are they stacking up on caffeine? Are they staying up to watch the Pac-12 in real time? I hope so. I hope so. Because if they, if they do, then they'll get a good gauge for the brand of football being played. If they don't, well, then we have a conversation about, well, why is the Pac-12 not getting love? Is there's a stigma around the Pac-12 because they beat each other up, that they're not really that good? And so that's a whole rabbit hole that we could dive down. We're not going to do it right now. But for me, Oregon wins the Pac-12 over USC, and they're going to have a chance to be in that conversation on Selection Sunday for us right here. Now, moving right along here, we're going no huddle, no mercy here. Moving right along here, let's talk about the SEC, man. It just means more, right? It just means more. And this is the last year of the college football playoff as we know it. They'll go to 12 teams next year. Next year, maybe you get three teams in to a, pack, or to a, to a college football playoff with that expanded format. I think it's possible. Heck, I might even say it's likely. But right now, with the way things are shaking out, the question is, do they get two? We'll unpack it right now. Before we do that, though, make sure you're subscribed right here. It's college football. It's only college football. If you're watching this during the live show, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're glad to have you here. If you're watching this as a one-off video, we are live three times a week, full hour-long episodes. Okay? Mon or, excuse me. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. We got content for you Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So make sure you're dialed in here so you don't miss any of it. But again, we want y'all a part of this. And we want y'all to tune into the live show so we can get after it in the live chat and have a good time, have a back and forth, and really build this community. So thank you in advance for that. So when it comes to the SEC, man, our predictions at the beginning of the year was we would see Bama and Georgia duking it out in Atlanta. Do we still feel that way? Let's unpack it a little bit. Let's start in the SEC East where we think we know something. Again, think is the, is the major word there. We think we know something, so let's find out if we do here these next couple of weeks. I think there's a lot of solid teams in the SEC East. Like solid, I think, is a really fair word to use. Kentucky, I think they're solid. Don't give me this Mark Stoops deal and don't give me what happened against Georgia. I think they're solid. I think we've seen that they're solid over the last couple of weeks. Tennessee, I think they're solid. I think Josh Heupel is one of the best coaches in college football. I think they're playing great defense. I think the defensive line is really making a, a case for themselves this year. Like, I think Tennessee's very solid. Missouri, how about, how about the Tigers, man? How about the good folks in Columbia, Missouri? I think they're a solid football team as well. Went back and forth with LSU. I think Brady Cook deserves some love. Luther Burden for Esther on three is getting some Heisman love. Like, Missouri, a solid football team. I think that you can even say South Carolina is sneaky. Sitting at two and three at the time of us being live, but I think they're sneaky too. Thought they played Tennessee tough at times, didn't make some plays. They've got that governor with what they don't have on the offensive line protecting Spencer Rattler, but I think they're sneaky. I think Florida is a team that you have to take seriously every single week. It's probably a trajectory year for them this coming season or this season right now in terms of what they're going to do on the recruiting trail and kind of setting the course for Billy Napier's time there. But we've seen, I mean, the way they played Tennessee when they were in the swamp, like I think Florida is, is a sneaky team and you got to take them seriously. So the bottom line, the SEC East, for the most part, is pretty solid. But like, again, let's not overthink this. It's Georgia. You know that. I know that. I think the rest of the conference knows that. I think Kirby Smart knows that. And they have the best coach, who I just mentioned. They have the best roster. Those are two things that you can't account for. Like Those are, those are two things that just like, there's no argument to be made there. That's going to give them a chance in every single football game. It's going to help them prepare for every single football game by nature of how they work during the week. Bloody Tuesday's a real thing. The way the iron sharpens iron's a real thing behind closed doors. And for me, I think they will play their best football when, it's com when it comes time. Like when it's time for them to ball out when it's time for that apex predator to hunt, they will do it. And I think we saw that this past weekend against Kentucky. Because I don't think what we saw last weekend was Kentucky getting exposed in Athens. That was not my feel. I think Kentucky is a good football team. I think we just saw Georgia really have their eyes on the prize and really have a true opponent to, to chase. And you hate the fact that it took a true opponent for Georgia to kind of kick it into gear. But I think that's kind of what we saw. And I think we saw a little bit more kind of a sneak peek, if you will, of what Georgia is really capable of. Now, they have a three-game stretch, Missouri, Ole Miss, and at Tennessee. That will determine what they're going to be. Sitting here today, I feel pretty confident picking Georgia in all three of those games. Now, we will pick those games when they get here, and maybe we'll have a different prediction for you at that point. But right now, what we've seen from Georgia, what they've put on tape, the way they're trending is a very, very key word. The way they're trending from the beginning of the year to this point, 
It's a, it's a line that looks straight up. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful little graph. If you were to draw it out, it is trending the right direction. Not something we should overlook. So we like Georgia in the East. And I think the majority of y'all that are dialed in would like Georgia in the East. Now in the West, man, it is... <laughs> the West is just like a wonderful abstract painting. You love looking at it. It doesn't really make sense. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of chaos, but it's beautiful when it comes together to make what we love about college football, right? It's something that you could just show to your friends and say, this is why I love college football. Look at the SEC West. You got Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss really as the three-team race. If we're, if we're being real, that's probably how it's shaken out right now. Alabama, they beat Ole Miss. Looked pretty good doing it. Ole Miss beat LSU in a game where there was like next to zero defense being played. We were at Tennessee, South Carolina that day, and we went in at halftime to kind of hit the reset and charge up the phone and get ready for the second half of Tennessee, South Carolina, check in on other games. And it's LSU and Ole Miss well over the over at that point in time. And just, I mean, every single time either team got the ball, you're like, well, they're going to score. JD, there's 30 seconds. They're going to score. Like that was kind of the way that it felt every single time that either team had the ball. And uh, regardless, it's, it's that kind of setup for them. Uh, Ole Miss has a tough road still. At Auburn, no, at Auburn. I didn't say they just play Auburn. I said they play at Auburn, which is a tricky task because the way Hugh Freeze has coached it, because the personnel they have, like Auburn's going to be a team you got to take seriously, especially at Jordan-Hare. They got A&M. A&M, I think, is very sneaky. I think they're probably in that conversation in the West if you wanted to stretch to four teams. At Georgia, they got the Egg Bowl. So that's a tough road, which makes me feel a little bit better about having it be between Alabama and between LSU. Now, LSU goes to Alabama November 4th. Both teams have a bye week before that game. And in that game, if we're going to call it the essentially the SEC West championship game, I think it's not unreasonable to, to call it that for the time being, LSU's offense has been unreal. Been unreal. Talk about a quarterback taking the next step and Jaden Daniels and can he throw it deep and can he take that next step? Jaden Daniels said, I see your next step. I'll raise you like three or four steps. Like Jaden Daniels is getting Heisman love and he should be getting Heisman love because of the way he's elevated his game. Now the unfortunate reality for the good folks in Baton Rouge is that defense looks unrecognizable. Like we've come to know LSU's defense as imposing their will and physical and fast and formidable and, and a lot of other alliterations but for for LSU man like that defense is not something that it looks like it's going to get fixed anytime soon especially on the back end I like what they have in the front seven if they can apply some pressure maybe this conversation becomes a little bit different but you give Nick Saban a week before I understand Brian Kelly has the week as well but with the personnel that Alabama has and again the way that they're trending I think they're starting to play their best football I think they're starting to put it together a little bit I like Alabama to hit their stride right now and I like them to end up playing in that title game so what we had before the season still holds we have Alabama and we have Georgia in Atlanta December 2nd do they get two teams in we'll talk about that here in the next live segment but I think I see more ways for Georgia to win that game over Alabama than I do for Alabama I think Alabama is gonna again find their stride become more multiple offensively but like Carson Beck I think at that point will no longer be considered a first-year starter. Like, at that point, I think he's got the experience you would you would want him to have going into that game. Like, I think he's got the confidence you would want him to have going into that game. And I think Georgia, we talk about teams hitting their stride. We talk about Bama hitting their stride. I think Georgia, at that point, just brings more to the table and can beat Alabama in that game. So, again, if this happens, we'll predict it. We'll give you our pick for the conference title game, and we'll kind of hit the reset button there. But as we sit here going into Week 7, halfway through the season, we still like Georgia to beat Alabama in the SEC title game in Atlanta on December 2nd and repeat as SEC champs. Now, do they three-peat? That's the big question. That is the very big question. Get in the chat right now if you're watching live and let me know. Are you taking Georgia or are you taking the field? You got Georgia or the field? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Would love to hear your, uh, your take on the topic. Also, shout out to y'all. We just put it out there like twice hey can y'all like the video and y'all did well over 100 big shout out to y'all big shout out to the program uh, we've had a couple of y'all also ask me how do I get a program shirt I said I've looked online I can't find a shop anywhere like I, I, how do I get a program shirt well you can't buy them anywhere but if you stay tuned into this live show we're going to announce here in the near future 
how you can win one. I told y'all once we hit 100,000 subscribers, we would give one away. That is still intact as well. So very important to be subscribed, very in tune, or very important to be dialed in so you know when all that's going down and so you can be in the know to receive a program shirt. And we appreciate y'all being a part of the program to begin with, man. Want to make sure that's very, very clear. Y'all are the ones that make this whole thing go. All right, now it's time. It is time for our college football playoff predictions 2.0. And I put this out on my Instagram. I put this out on my Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. I'm not calling it X just yet. We'll get there. At JD Pacal. And I asked y'all, hey, who do you have making the college football playoff? Who's your national champ? Like I, I asked y'all and y'all delivered in resounding fashion. It was great to get y'all's input. We actually align on quite a few of your picks. But we got to start with our first two out. We'll do that in just a second. Make sure you're subscribed right here to the Onthrough YouTube channel, college football every single day. We love this sport and we love everything about this sport that you love, college football Saturdays. We love rivalries. We love the actual game. We're not into the whole agenda. We're not into the whole side stuff that comes with college football. Like it's ball and only ball around here. It's everything that makes this sport great that you love. We do it here and not just during the season. We do it year round. Okay, so make sure you're subscribed right here so you don't miss a minute of it. And we appreciate y'all making this show what it is, making this program what it is. When it comes to our first two out, we're not going to make friends with this one, and I apologize. Florida State and Oregon are our first two out. Florida State, man, that three-game run of Duke, Miami, and at Florida. I have concerns. I have real concerns about the way they've looked human in some spots they shouldn't have looked human in. The Boston College game, I understand it. Red bandana game, look ahead spot for Clemson. You play Clemson, you need a defensive touchdown to win the game. I love Florida State. But I have concerns with what they have left on the schedule and what they've looked like to this point to put them in the college football playoff. I still think they win the ACC, but I have reservations about picking them outright to be in the playoff. Now, if they are, great. But right now, they're our first two out. We'll keep recalibrating and keep an eye on Florida State. For Oregon, what we talked about with the Pac-12 is just wild. It's just wild. I mean, they're at Washington. They got Wazoo. They got at Utah. They got USC. They got Oregon State. Like, that is such a difficult stretch for anybody. And it's unfortunate that's kind of the way the Pac-12 is going out is with phenomenal in-conference play and a conference champion gets left out. And I'm not even so sure that Oregon has one loss or two losses. I'll rephrase that. I'm not so sure that Oregon isn't a one-loss conference champ and somehow gets left out. Now, I'm picking them this way with two losses to make that clear. I think Oregon has two losses, but they're still the conference champ. But just because of that schedule, if we're projecting it, the schedule itself gives me some pause when it comes to Oregon. I love Oregon. I love the way they're built, but that's how we feel today. Now, for our top four. And, th and this, this top four, our number four team is going to take some explaining, so I'm happy to do that right now. And number four, we got Penn State. And Penn State, I think, will have a loss to Michigan and will not win the Big Ten, as we already explained during this live show, but I think they do beat Ohio State. And at that point in time, that should be a top five win. Now, a lot of y'all from Norman, Oklahoma are saying, J.D., did you not see what happened in Red River? Did you see what we did and took care of business? I did. It was extremely impressive. But I think when we sit down... And we look at the eye test, I think Penn State will get the nod. For better or for worse, I think Penn State is the one lost non-conference champion that ends up finding their way into the dance. Probably takes some chaos. Again, I talked about Oregon having two losses. I think that even is a little bit of, you know, a risk, but that's what we do here. We're taking our, we're taking our swings at this thing, stepping into the batter's box, and we think Penn State is in at number four in this college football playoff race. Now at number three, we got Texas. One loss conference champ. They avenged their only loss to Oklahoma in the conference title game with Texas at that point in time getting a win in the conference title game, probably over a top five Oklahoma team. So with that being said, Texas also factoring in the fact that they beat Alabama at Alabama when that was a top three win in the country. I think that Texas is in at number three when it comes to our college football playoff as things stand right now. Now, at number two, no surprise here, it's Michigan. I think they're undefeated, and I think they're the conference champion. And I think that when you look at the way that Michigan's built, the experience has to be a huge factor, and not just from a roster standpoint. I mean from a big spot standpoint. Like, top five returning production, we talk about that a lot, but, like, they're experienced 
at quarterback with J.J. McCarthy. He's played in the Big Ten title game now before. He's played in the college football playoff now before. Like, they've seen a lot of things, has Michigan, that I think is going to ultimately benefit them the rest of the way. Also, I think this Michigan team has that edge to them. I think it's a team with an edge to them. Like, we talk about Michigan and everything that happened with Harbaugh. I think that kind of lit a fire within them. I think they hear a lot of people saying they haven't played anybody. And I think when you look at Michigan, they're going to be more dynamic offensively. And the way they're going to be able to press the ball downfield with J.J. McCarthy, yes, it's still a question mark for people. I think they're going to find their, their footing and really start playing their best when it matters most. And I think Michigan as a whole, with the way that their schedule is set up, having that bye week before they hit November and really have those big, big games, I think Michigan finds their way into the college football playoff. And at number one, we got Georgia. Same deal, undefeated, conference champ. They will play their best football when it's time. And long-term, I think the the offense is going to become more and more of a version of what we saw against Kentucky. I think they'll be more dynamic. I think they'll be able to have more playmakers step up. We're still waiting for Dominique Lovett to kind of find his rhythm and be that guy. Lad McConkie, when he's fully healthy, you expect him to be a factor. Brock Bowers is like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle playing tight end for them. He deserves some Heisman love. Like we, we stack all these things on top of themselves on the offensive side. Look at the defensive side. And 70% of that production from the last year's national title team is back on defense. Not everybody. Some key pieces are gone for sure. Keely Ringo, he's not there. Jalen Carter, he's not there. But you have some really key pieces still from that defense from last year. They know how to win. They know how to win. They know what it feels like. They know what it takes. The standard is unmistakable there. And when it comes to being dialed in, the mission is clear and understanding that it's time to go. Like nobody is better at dialing their team in than Kirby Smart. And there's not a roster that's more talented for my money, at least today in college football than Georgia. So that combination makes them a college football playoff team still in my mind. And I think they're the number one team in. Now, how this playoff shakes out, I think Georgia ends up playing Penn State in round one, one versus four. I think that they get to Drew Allard. I don't want to predict this too much. I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but I think that Georgia does get to Penn State and just the experience factor. I think they they beat Penn State in that game. I think Michigan ends up being too much on the line of scrimmage for Texas. I think Texas has some firepower that makes that game interesting, but I do think that ultimately the physicality and that next level that the offense has, that next gear the offense has under the hood with J.J. McCarthy and his maturation that we're going to see, I think that allows them to beat Texas. So you got Georgia, you got Michigan in the national title game. Before the season, to be clear, this was the matchup we had. Kind of chalky. It's not super fun to, to do the whole, well, it's those two teams and they meet in the national title game. But like, hey, we're, we're picking what we think here. We're not picking it to be trendy or to end up some kind of headline work we're just talking ball here and those are the two best ball teams in our minds today so when it comes down to it I think the team speed of Georgia against Michigan would be fascinating to watch and I think as the offense evolves with Carson Beck there I think that's gonna be something to watch and if they're able to trend how they're trending right now I think the way that they have put together that operation under Kirby Smart the DNA traits they talk about a lot I think they're able to fall back on that. And I think Georgia beats Michigan. I think it's close in that game. I think it's a great national title game. But I do think Georgia ends up beating Michigan for the national title. So those are our predictions 2.0. Halfway through the season, what we do is we get more information. When you get more information, you make your picks and and you, you do your best with the information that's given at this point. We have a better gauge now for where things stand in the college football landscape. Or so we think now halfway through the year. But even with that being said, we still think it's Georgia and Michigan, and we still think Georgia goes for a third in a row under Kirby Smart and solidify themselves as a dynasty when it comes to the college football record books, or the history books, rather. Appreciate everybody tuned in live, man. Y'all being tuned in right now is what makes this show what it is. Y'all subscribing to this channel is what makes this show what it is. Again, if you want to stay up with everything we got going here, you want to stay up with the, the betting picks that we like with Against the Suits over on my Instagram page, at Jody Piquel. If you want to be dialed in with clips from the show, follow me on Twitter, at Jody Piquel, or X, whatever you want to call it now. Those are two great platforms for us to stay connected when we're not live on the air. That's kind of where we meet up at whenever we don't have a live show going. So with that being said, 
we appreciate y'all being dialed in at both those spots as well now i want to get to y'all's questions and thoughts and playoff takes right now okay so get those in we got two ad reads for you so two ad reads so, so get in your questions so we can answer those get those in while i'm reading these ads and we will uh we'll get to them on the back end so i want to start out telling y'all about game time and game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the big time matchups that we're about to get this second half of the college football season. They have elite deals with last minute tickets and the best price guarantee. Don't stress over getting into the game or over getting into the Iron Bowl or maybe Georgia Tech, Georgia or whatever it ends up being. Don't stress about that. Get the tickets you need at the best prices. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you can wake up on a Saturday morning and say, you know what, actually, Ann Arbor's not that far. Actually, I, I do want to go to that game. Or hey, Columbus, Ohio's not that far. I do want to go to Penn State, Ohio State. Wake up that morning, use game time, get tickets you need. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets on all the sports and entertainment events. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time, we'll credit you not 100% of the difference, 110% of the difference. So here's what we're going to do. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. So Game Time's got you taken care of on that front when it comes to the ticket side of things. But what are you wearing to the game? Bird Dogs is also bringing you the hard count today. And we, we appreciate Bird Dogs, man. They have done a ton for this operation over here with the hard count. One, bringing it to you. Two, getting us fitted for college football season. They got nice polos that are like moisture wicking and they feel good to walk around in. And you just, I mean, you look good walking around in them. Here's the big thing for me. This part of the season is always interesting because we transition from that first half of the season wearing shorts. I'm a big shorts guy. Like you never see my lower body when we're doing this show obviously because we have a desk and that would just be weird to kind of do that sort of format where i stand up but regardless uh you don't see that but i wear shorts pretty much every single day now we're in nashville it's getting to run the football weather meaning it's like getting in the 60s heck when you wake up maybe it's in the 50s you can't wear shorts in that kind of weather unless you kind of want to be that guy that just makes a statement that says it's not that cold outside. Don't be that guy. Nobody likes that guy. Wear some pants. Bird dogs, they've got really comfortable pants that are great for work too. So yeah, they got the joggers. They also got pants that you can walk into the office in and nobody bats an eye and they don't know how comfortable you are. So they look good and they're comfortable. They're functional. Can go outside during your lunch break, run a half marathon in those kinds of shorts or in those kind of pants rather. That's how, that's how comfortable they are. Get a quick workout in. A little squat day in and those pants are good to go. Bird Dogs has got you covered. So redeem code JD at checkout and get yourself a little Hydro Flask style water bottle and just kind of keep your beverage cold or hot, whatever you want to do for game day. And uh, they'll make sure they got you locked in. So again, that's redeem code JD at birddogs.com and get yourself set for everything you need when it comes to game day. All right, y'all. We gave you our predictions. College football playoff picks, conference title picks 2.0. We're halfway through the season. Like we said, if you get more information, you should change your opinion. You shouldn't just stick to your opinion because you've, you stuck to that during the, the preseason. Like now we got more, more information, made some calibrations to our college football playoff and conference title picks. But I want to hear from y'all. I want to hear your questions. want to hear your takes. And the best way to do that is to bring in the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Owensboro, Kentucky, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, big dog? What's up, man? Feeling good? Feeling pretty good. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on today? We, uh, I, I know we got a lot of takes from the people in the chat. Are we feeling good about the kickball game later? Feeling pretty good. Um, game day. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, but I feel good, JD. Do you sleep much the night before the game, or no, are you more like a, a toss and turn kind of guy? Not a wink. Not a wink. Not a wink. That's good. That means the engine's is running. The engine's yeah. running, and you're ready to roll. JD, uh, really quick before I get to the first questions, I feel like I, despite... I'm not as educated or nor am I as um, qualified to give my top four. But I yes, will say, I want to hear your top four. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, uh, I, as I, I told think, you before the show, I was like, I want to hear your top four. And then I was just jumping right into it. I want to hear your top four. Nick. Well, mine might be done by this weekend, um, but I'm going to take uh, four undefeated teams in the playoffs. Michigan, two, Georgia, one. I'm going way out of order. Three, Florida State, four, Washington, 
five, uh, one loss Texas, Big 12 champ. And then at six, probably Oklahoma right behind them. And then seven, um, probably a one loss Ohio State. Whoa, okay. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Heck yeah, brother. Okay, so you got Georgia, Michigan, and you had uh, Washington at four. Who was at three for you? Uh, Florida State. Florida State, okay. I had them preseason. I'm not going to change it now since they're still undefeated. No, that's good. We're going to – I mean, that's – that's good. I think a lot of the people from Tallahassee tuned in right now are, yeah. uh, they just became big Nick Brake fans. <laughs> and if they, if they weren't already a big Nick Brake fan, which is very, very much so yeah. uh, a possibility. Heck yeah. Thank you for reminding me because I was just going a million miles an hour off the ad read. And so that, that's crucial. Yeah, I want to make sure we got, we got to the, uh, the Nick Brake picks as well. Hey, what's, what's going on in the chat, Nick? We got some other picks from the people in there. Uh, Austin said Michigan Wolverines will win the national championship game. I agree, Austin. What do you think, Jay? Is that your yeah, national I know title you picked, winner? You picked, sorry? That, that's who you got winning it all? It is. Um, I'm Ooh. sure it won't work. I mean, never bet against Georgia, but uh, why not? Uh, I mean, three in hard to do, I've got very I mean, we low picked stakes. Them. We, I, I picked them, to, but I mean, like, if you're making a counterpoint, like, yeah, three in a row is, is tough, and Michigan's probably that team that you would pick if it's not Georgia in that situation. Um, Nick, do you have Georgia playing Michigan, or who do you have playing Michigan in your title? I have Georgia. You have Georgia. Okay. Washington versus Georgia would be fun, but um, I don't think they could – stop georgia enough Man. you know all it takes is one georgia stop and they've won i was gonna say i think i don't know if it'd be fun for everybody watching in seattle yeah i don't I, I yeah i was gonna say all they need to do is stop one uh washington once talk about sleepless in georgia seattle. runs you away know what I'm with saying? There, there would be there would be not much sleep in seattle no you know what i'm saying <laughs> sleep yeah i get it i get it you're a movie guy i am i like you're the movie. movie guy actually that's uh nora efron um it's a good movie uh good question from evan jd do you think a one-loss Michigan or a one-loss Ohio State has a better chance to make the playoffs? So I'm assuming that's a situation where it's one loss for either one of those teams, but Penn State's the Big Ten champion is, is how I guess we can treat that one. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I guess it really depends on, so Penn State gets in, we're assuming they're undefeated. So Penn State beat Ohio State. No, well, I guess, how does that work? I don't know how that would work, Nick, because Penn State would have to, would, would beat Ohio State and would beat Michigan. And Penn no, State, I, I'm seeing it as Penn State beats Ohio State, loses to Michigan, so they're technically all one-loss teams. Oh, okay, okay, so gotcha. you could even extend this to the three, who gets in a one-loss Penn State, a one-loss Michigan, a one-loss Ohio State. Hmm. Kind of like what you talked about earlier with the yeah, SEC West, oh, if LSU were to beat Alabama. That's so tough, man. I would still probably lean Michigan, but I think it could it could come down to honestly that final week of the season where it's Michigan Ohio State because like as much as we talk about you know good losses and bad losses and whatever like the timing of your loss matters, and so the loss to Michigan to end the season if you're Ohio State if that's how they get it, I think that could be kind of detrimental. But if Ohio State beats Michigan and that's the way that that goes, then I would probably lean Ohio State just because timing and snapshots in people's minds is such a big deal when it comes to this whole thing, Nick. So I'll, I'll go ahead and lean the winner of Michigan-Ohio State, which is kind of sitting on a fence. Uh, but I'm going to go lean Michigan there. Mm-hmm. I just I have reservations about Ohio State, man. I just – I do. If, the, if they end up getting to that spot with one loss, then I would be surprised. But I just – I really, really feel like they're not the same team offensively. And it's not a knock on Ohio State. I mean, they've churned out the first-round quarterbacks for the last however many years in a row. Like, yeah. it's not, it's not a, a – indictment on ryan day or ohio state like i just think that's kind of where they're at this year um jd i like this pick right here um i mean i need to find it really quick okay no you're good i found it austin talking about maybe a potential their prediction is that michigan will play ou in a two versus three game jd who would you take in that that uh, first-round playoff game has kind of been a problem for Michigan the last couple Dude, of years. Dude, it really has. Um, it really has. And because it has been is honestly a way where I lean like, okay, at, w- at what point is Michigan like, hey, enough is enough? Because this kind of feels like it's the year for Michigan, very much so how it felt like this is the year for Texas, and I guess Texas in this situation didn't get it done, even though we have them in our playoff. I think the line of scrimmage for Michigan is just a problem that is yet to be answered by anybody to this point in the season. I know TCU did a lot of things last year to beat Michigan, so I don't want to short TCU in that sense. I also felt like Michigan got way too cute in that game. So in this game, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that Michigan doesn't get too cute and they just pound the rock and they have more offensively. So 
A lot of projections and, and guessing here, Nick, but I'm, I'm going to go Michigan in that spot. I think they do end up beating Oklahoma if you get a two versus three. Uh, but if it gets here, we'll predict it, and maybe our, maybe our pick changes. But today, we'll ride with, uh, we'll ride with Michigan there. J.D., uh, really quick, Brandon Morris says, you guys hate Oklahoma, so I think we yeah. need to show the Sooners some love, J.D. How about that? Man, I don't hate Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. Like, mm-hmm. I understand it because we picked Texas over Oklahoma, and then we picked Texas to beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. Dude, I love Oklahoma. Like, Oklahoma, to be real, like, just full transparency, Oklahoma is the reason in some very roundabout way why we have this show to give you the backstory. Oklahoma was one of the first videos for us when we were doing the hard count independently to kind of catch fire and to kind of get some juice on the algorithm for whatever reason. So all that's to say, like, the Oklahoma Sooner fan base, they found us first, and they were kind of the ones to, I guess, get us into the other space with college football and kind of push us forward. So we are indebted to Oklahoma is what I want to say. Just because we're not picking Oklahoma to win the Big 12 this year, we're not picking them to get to the college football playoff. We love Oklahoma. I love Brent Venables. I love Dylan Gabriel. We've picked Oklahoma to be in the Big 12 or to win the Big 12 the last two years, I believe. So it's it's not the way we're, we're feeling today. It's not the way that we feel about Oklahoma right now. But again, we're not taking anything away from the win over Texas, not taking anything away from what's being built at Oklahoma with Brent Venables. Uh, but to be very, very clear, uh, we love Oklahoma, as we do every college football fan base and every college football team, except for Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. But we, we, we love every, uh, every college football team and appreciate them. Oklahoma is no exception. We also love our friends at Sooner Scoop, J.D. Sooner, dude, I mean... Eddie Radosevich, yeah, George Stoya, just talk to him. Kerry Murdoch, yeah. Oh, I love Kerry. Yeah, that's a good group. They're um, stacked. Apologies JD, to we forgot there, but they're uh, stacked. Yeah, all they're all great. Um, AAA, JD, can you see the four Heisman finalists all being from the Pac-12? Wow, it's a cool question. Shout out AAA, man. They've got me out of a jam more than <laughs> once. Uh, so I guess in that situation, you're going what? Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix. Who's the fourth? Cam Ward, I guess. Like in that situation, Cam Ward would have had to have been balling. Am I missing somebody there, Nick? That um, feels like the big three. Shador you, Sanders. You are missing. Yeah. Okay. Is that yeah, the guy? Shador like, Sanders. Yeah. I was gonna say you were missing someone. I just I have a really hard time believing that all three of those teams will play well enough to get them into that Heisman conversation. Because Nick, we know this. Like, it's a November award for one, and it's a team mm-hmm. award for the other. So your team has to be playing well enough in November, have enough to play for, be in that college football playoff conversation, and to have all three of those cats in it, mm-hmm. I'd be curious what happened in the SEC, why Brock Bowers didn't get invited or why Jaden Daniels didn't get invited. Or go to the Big Ten, like J.J. McCarthy, he didn't get invited, or Blake Corum, or like, so I think there's some teams here that are going to kind of come on towards the end of the year that'll make some noise in the college football playoff world that will then translate to the Heisman world. But I will say this too, if that happens... I think they deserve it because Michael Penix is playing as good as anybody in the country right now. Um, Caleb Williams, I think, should be in New York regardless. Uh, Bo Nix is playing great football. So there's a lot of cases to be made for a lot of those guys. But as a whole, like, yeah, I I would be very surprised if it was all four from the Pac-12. But that would be poetic, wouldn't it? Yeah. For the, it would before be pretty, they turn the lights out. <laughs> it would be really cool. Oh, gosh. Um, OGE Gary said Jaden Daniels for Heisman. So I see it. Dude. It'd be really hard to leave Jaden Daniels out of that. He's crushing, dude. Yeah, absolutely. He's crushing. I mean, I don't know if we want to take credit for this, but like we asked Jaden Daniels about pushing the ball downfield, as did I'm sure everybody else in college football at SEC Media Days. Been balling ever since, Nick. Mm-hmm. You know? So like I think you should take some credit for that. Yeah. I think, I think you should probably feel oh, yeah. like you can. Write your name next to Jaden Daniels on that Heisman if it ends up going. You're ahead. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got one more question, but Love I also it. have a comment before we get it. out of here, too. Carl it, has got a spoiler for the season. Says, spoiler alert, just to let everyone know, if you don't want spoilers on the college football season to click <laughs> out, says that it's going to be a tri- uh, three-peat. Uh, Georgia's going to win. Wow. Who is this that said that? This is Carl. Carl Griffin. Carl got the script. Yeah. Carl has the script. Man. Man, I would... I didn't know where he found that, but yeah. That makes our job a lot easier the rest of the way, though, that we know that we need to start scripting out some videos. Yeah, we can kind of, okay, that's good. We can kind of schedule some content in advance. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, full transparency, we're we're split on this. Like, obviously I picked Georgia. I know you got Georgia making the national title game, Mm -hmm. but Carl's got to win it all. (laughs) Three in a row. Like, I don't think we can, we can overstate how impressive that would be if they go Mm -hmm. three in a row. Yeah. Unbelievable. In Uh, Houston, no less. Absolutely. Um, so last question, um, 
I know this isn't a great question for you to have to answer, considering um, a lot of the OU fans are saying that you hate them. Let's bring it on. Um, we love but it. We Shane love was like, man. why do you think Texas can go in and beat Oklahoma a second time? Uh, well, the reason I think they can beat them the second time is because they didn't beat them the first time. Yeah. Like, to be real, I actually had, I think in our preseason predictions, we might have had that happening, Oklahoma beating Texas when it came to like that whole TikTok win-loss, win-loss thing, which again, not a ton of skill and not a ton of value in to be real with y'all. But when it comes to Oklahoma and Texas, I think if Texas had won that game in Red River, I'd have a hard time picking them to beat Oklahoma the second time because the, the thing, again, what we said earlier in our, in our show was it's so tough to beat any team twice. It's much more difficult to beat a team that's really talented and that's well-coached twice. Like, if it, if it was a thing where Oklahoma just blew the doors off Texas, then maybe that conversation is different. And you say, wow, well, like, that gap is pretty wide. I guess Oklahoma is that much better. I think to give Texas another shot at them, I don't know that Texas makes the same amount of mistakes they did in that game. I mean, we love Oklahoma. I need to say it again. We love Oklahoma. We love Oklahoma. We love Oklahoma. Stooner Nation, hey, bring it in for a hug. Bring it in for, for the real deal right here. Uh, but we just think that Texas is ultimately the team that's able to if they get another chance at it, they end up getting it done. So, Sooner Nation, we still love y'all. I feel like I'm just overcompensating now for our good folks in Mormon. But like, <laughs> everybody's just like, "What are you trying to do?" Here, you man? know, they're like, "Yeah, like, what's the, what's the big deal? What's what's up with this guy?" Anyway, yeah, that's how we feel about it. Yeah, and uh, it is what it is, man. JD, is is. Um, as I head out here on this Wednesday, I want to just give you a chance to show your support for your for your old boys in red cornell mark the points that jd take social media out of this which team do you secretly root for uh yeah it, hey we'll do this right here man we got it <laughs> we, we do it once a season this might be the every time right couple here. months we i feel like we do this there's a team in upstate new york man there's a team and they wear red every single saturday <laughs> and they are they're not just new york's team they're america's team and they wear a c on the side of their helmet and the helmets changed a little bit the last couple of years it was matt red they put the stripe on it but i'm telling you man we get asked this question a fair amount we live and die with the cornell big red the 2023 now probably 2024 too maybe a three-peat 2025 ivy league champions all right so for the cornell big red for nick break running the entire show for y'all dialed in we appreciate y'all we love y'all hey big week this week now for the big red big week this week Got to get back on the winning side of things, all right? We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We'll see y'all next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.